Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Mary Beth Hagen, founder of Titan Aesthetic Recruiting. Welcome, everybody. This is Alex Tiersch, and this is another edition of Medical Spa Insider, the podcast by AmSpa. We're super excited and thankful that you joined us. We have today um, on the AmSpa hotline, Mary Beth Hagen from Titan Aesthetic Recruiting. Uh, we've, we've spoken with, with Mary Beth uh, in the past. She's been um, a, a great supporter of AmSpa. She's got an incredible business that I encourage you to check out. We've got actually a podcast of, of her and I that we did back in the past where we talk a little bit more about uh, her business. So, so please go ahead and, and, and check that out. But um, Mary Beth, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Always appreciate being able to support the educational opportunities with AmSpa. Yeah, awesome. No, um, so we were chatting uh, the other day, and the the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is that I, you know, we were talking about something that that I've heard now from a few people, and that deals with um, the 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 lack of injectors in this industry there you know the, the 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 med spa and the aesthetic industry in general is experiencing explosive growth right now we obviously there was a bit of a a dip with covid but we we seem to have gotten through that the, those folks who have gotten through that are 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 thriving um and we've always had this this kind of massive need for qualified and safe injectors that that is the still remains the driving force behind this industry you know the botox and and fillers and um but what one thing that i've heard a common refrain is that that there just is it's really difficult to find um competent injectors on the one hand there's just not enough of them out there um there's a lot of difficulty with keeping them happy once they're onboarded um there's there's some turnover issues but 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 mostly it's there's just not enough to meet the demand, and if you believe what the you know the, the larger companies like Allergan and Galderma are saying, and, and our research certainly supports this, the we're just getting started in the amount of people who are actually going to be wanting these treatments in the next ten to fifteen years, and in, in order to meet that demand, we're going to have to get more um, more qualified injectors into the industry from other verticals, whether it's you know family practice medicine or PAs, NPs, whatever it might be. So. I thought the best person to talk to about this would be Mary Beth because you uh, run Titan Aesthetics. So I appreciate that. What um, what uh, what are you hearing on the ground? I, is is what I'm hearing um, similar to what you're hearing? Okay, great. I, I'm curious to hear to, to hear your your opinion on that because it, it seems to be a problem and a growing problem. And I, I don't I'm not really sure what we should all do about it. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing when you think about the history of aesthetic medicine in the United States. Um, unlike Europe, the United States really had our aesthetic industry kick off with botulinum toxin A. Uh, Botox mm-hmm. was the first product approved, and it was a quick, relatively inexpensive, highly effective treatment um, that obviously has led to people liking, and, and I think Botox is kind of ubiquitous in our society, and that a lot of people are aware of it. Yeah. But they don't know what it is until that day they wake up, they look in the mirror, and they go, ooh. I think it's time mm-hmm. to do something. And Alex, you referred to kind of our industry having this explosive growth. And I think that's exactly right because we had you know a year where everybody was sitting looking at themselves on Zoom right. um, every single day. And there is probably nothing that would 
make you more aware of how you present to the world than looking at yourself every day. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, that's that. Hey, you know, dogs are, are, see, there's, there's my, one of my dogs saying hello to your dog. So we're good. I know between your dogs and my dog. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, um, I, can't, I, can't do it. I can make everything else quiet, but I can't do anything about the FedEx <laughs> That's man. <all> right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Alex, you're exactly right. Um, what we've seen over the last year is this explosive growth in aesthetics. People have been looking at themselves on Zoom almost every single day. And I think there's nothing um, to make you think about how you your appearance looks to the rest of the world mm-hmm. and to ourselves than to look at yourself on Zoom. Yeah. So we're seeing a huge growth in aesthetics. Um, the other thing is people haven't been able to go on vacations. They haven't been able to do things that they would normally do to invest in themselves and their well-being. And so, you know, the aesthetic treatments that are available now, um, they're yeah. much more normalized. And I think people are just saying, okay, it's my turn to enjoy this for myself. And that yep. has led to a, a huge growth in demand in aesthetic um, clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at where we started 20 years ago in this industry. Botox Cosmetic will have its 20th year anniversary next spring. Wow. And I think what we're really seeing is a normalization of, you know, it was okay for people to work out and go to gyms and take care of their bodies. Mm-hmm. Now it's okay for people to go to medical spas and take care of their skin yeah. and take care of their skin. You know what I can't wait for, Mary Beth? And, yeah. and I, I cannot wait. Um, and, and, and we're, we're looking into this right now. We're actually getting ready to launch, um, our, our semi-annual, uh, industry survey. But one of the things we want to find out about is this, is what you touched upon, which is this zoom effect. Like how many people are, are coming into practices because they saw themselves on zoom and they were just like, Oh my Lord, look at me. What's happened. So I, I, I feel like that's had a real, real impact. Um, and I don't know if you, you have any data or any uh, anecdotal uh, stories, but, but to me, that's going to be a huge, huge data point in the future. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that people are seeing is it's okay. We're having that generational shift yeah. whereas, you know, kind of the millennials are coming into the age that we typically think about as baby boomers, you know, they're, they're coming into their, their forties mm-hmm. and they are investing in themselves. And that has created a real um, need for additional injectors and aesthetic providers. Um, as you and I both work with closely, there are ru- different rules in every single state about who can inject mm-hmm. and who can provide some of these services. And so I think the lack of information about or a lack of consistency about who can perform services. Um, in the United States, we don't have any academic credentialing courses or programs. You can't go to an MP school or a PA school or a nursing school and get, you know, a, we can have pediatric nurse practitioners. We can have geriatric nurse practitioners, right, right. but there's no credentialing for an aesthetic nurse mm-hmm. practitioner. Right. Um, and I think through the years that has led people who are business people to start training programs um, and do a good job of supporting themselves with these companies. I'm not sure that has done the best job in helping prepare new injectors to come into the yeah. market. Are, are, are you hearing from a lot of from a lot of your clients that, that they need injectors and they're not able to find them? I mean, is that a common refrain from, from what you're hearing? I get probably three new requests a day. 
Wow. And in fact, it's so hard right now. And the frustration, Alex, is that everybody calls and says, I want an experience injector. I need an experience injector. And I will just tell you right now, there are very, 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 very few experienced injectors. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that I think business owners need to understand is that experienced injectors do not want to work for a new aesthetic practice. Mm -hmm. So I literally have pivoted my business recently. And instead of focusing on placing experienced injectors, um, you know, my ethics, I've always, I won't call somebody and say, hey, I want to steal this injector from this place to place right. it at this place. That's right. just not right. how I look at doing business. So for me, I really have focused on how do we bring new injectors into the market mm-hmm. who have the right aptitudes, the right competencies, and the right self-motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have really worked with my physician and my business owner clients has been to help kind of shift their thinking. Okay. Um, instead of looking for that experience injector that's going to come to your business and bring a book of business with them, that, mm-hmm. that's just not going to happen anymore. Um, three reasons. Number one, I think you know we do the the Titan and the annual Titan aesthetic injector non-physician compensation survey. Right. Um, and we look at how much do experienced injectors and new injectors, how much do new injectors make? Mm-hmm. Um, and we found last year that the average injector makes about to $170,000 a year working full time. Mm. Um, The experience injector cares a lot more about having commission and being able to control their schedule and control what they make. Mm -hmm. Um, But also a lot of these injectors now are in states where they have independent practice and they can open a clinic themselves. Um, So we're seeing a lot of people find that they can't find an experience injector Mm-hmm. and now trying to figure out how do they follow through on their business plan. Um, so I guess three things that I right. want to encourage your listeners to think about um, in their practice or their medical spa business is, number one, part of your basic business plan should be to create a pipeline of injectors. Yeah, And whether that is training your own, mm-hmm. whether that is having a process to hire naive injectors and have them trained and, and you know, have the, a team to help support that. Um, I, I can't stress enough that this is the time that if you want to be successful long time, long term, you're going to have to create your own pipeline. Okay. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, and, and, and how do you do that though? Like I, I, I understand there's, there's, um, you know, there, there's really two ways to go about it. You can you can try to find an experienced injector or a somewhat experienced injector, and, and you've you've indicated why that's that's difficult. The other option is to is to bring in um, new injectors and train them. But what what we've found is that they're just not even that easy to find. There's not a like you said, there's not an aesthetic specialty in really in anything. So you can't like go to get a list of aesthetic nurses or aesthetic nurse practitioners and say, I want to, you know, so how how do you do that? How do you create this pipeline? So one of the things I realized early on in my career, and I I think a lot of people know, I I worked for Metasys. I worked for Allergan before I started Mm -hmm. Titan. Um, So I've been very blessed over the last 15, 20 years to know a lot of really great non-physician injectors. Um, I love the physicians. They do a great job. My business just happens to focus on 
NPs, PAs, and RNs. That's just the niche I've chosen to work with. Mm -hmm. And and what I've found with those professionals, the ones that have been doing it for a long time, is that there really is a very specific set of competencies and aptitudes. Um, If anybody's interested, you can go to tightenesthetic.com and look up the tightenesthetic screening. I I won't go into all of it right now. I don't want this to be a commercial. Um, But I do want people to realize there are really kind of three buckets of skills that a good injector needs to have. They need to be a good clinician, obviously. You want them to be safe. You want them to make sure that they can do appropriate um, choice of product and patients, that the outcomes are there, that they can educate well. They need to be a good clinician. Right. Secondly, they need to have a good eye. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we find a lot of times people think that, oh, I can do you know, IVs, oh, I'm good with my hands, you know, I can be really good in aesthetics. And they think that it's just, I can go to a weekend training course and it's fine. And I I really encourage people to think through, you need to be able to see such artistic nuances in a face. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the great injectors will say, the two sides of our faces are sisters, not twins. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to understand hollows and curves and shapes and volume and symmetry or the lack thereof um, to look at skin tone, to look at shape, to look at definition. And if you, there are some people that just naturally see that. There are other people that don't. And so, you know, whether you use Titan to help identify um, potential candidates through our screening or whether you do it on your own, you need to look for that artistic aptitude. Right. Um, and I tell people all the time, if you don't have it, it's fine. You're probably going to be great at devices. You can do you know, the toxins. Um, a lot of the devices, they're very much a left brain, a very clinical look. Right. But those fillers, some of those, they're very artistic. Um, the second thing that I tell people to look for, or the third thing, you know, look for your brain, you know, the clinical part, look for the aesthetic part. But in today's world with aesthetics, I'm finding more and more and more employers are expecting their injectors to also be business people and marketers. Um, I had somebody the other day just tell me this person is a really good clinician, but they don't understand how to do the business things I need them to do. Right. And so I really want employers to really realize that people chose to go to nursing school or PA school, usually not to business school. They didn't go get a degree in marketing. They didn't, automatically learn how to do Instagram and Facebook. Um, I I recently wrote a blog talking about questions you should be asking if you're interviewing for an aesthetic position. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it both from the injector standpoint and from the employer standpoint, because I want people to really, people make a lot of assumptions in an interview. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for both parties to understand where the skills are, where the support is and what the expectations are. Right. Um, The other thing that I find is that training is not just a weekend hands-on training course. Um, Your friend of mine, Chris Surek, who owns the Academy for Injection Anatomy, has a fantastic uh, trademarked line where he says, the fear of injections is the fear of anatomy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you're not going to learn anatomy just, you know, in a couple hours of a hands-on training course. And so I really encourage people who are looking at developing Mm -hmm. their own pipeline to think about a couple things, hire right, hire for their their head, their clinical skills, and their eye, but then make sure that you 
give them a good foundational knowledge. Um, I was answering the exact same questions over and over and over again for about the first year and a half that I had Titan. Um, we started in 2017 and I had no idea what I was doing. And I still say I make it up as I go a lot of the days. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I found was that almost every person that I talked to who wanted to get into this industry had no idea about where do I go to find out information? How do I find out about the history? How do I find out what's allowed in my state? How do I find out where I might work in my state? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important for people to get a good foundational knowledge before they start interviewing for jobs or before you hire somebody. Right. Um, so either create that history, create those expectations yourself as an employer or you know, if you're interested, Titan has a lot of resources for that. Mm-hmm. But learn about the industry, learn about the job, learn what your expectations are, and learn your anatomy. Right. The, that's your foundational platform for anything. Yeah, it's it's almost like there's 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 two sides to this coin, right? There's the there's the employers who are trying to find the injectors, and then there's the injectors who um, want to get into the industry, don't really know where to go. Um, but from the employer's side is um, one thing that I've that I've found is is you know obviously they can't find injectors and oftentimes they don't know where to look. They're like, do I do I like Amspa has a job board, but you know it, it's it's and it's it's large and it's big and it's kind of overwhelming and, and people don't know what to do and and they just they don't know where to go. They like, do I go to a PA like resource? Do I go to like where's the best place? Like, um, and and we know you have your service, but if if you're advising someone to say okay, who wants to hire a new injector to come in, where do they go to do that? Where do these these folks hang out? I, I have to tell you, Indeed is still a yeah. great place to go. Okay. That's the awesome. The problem that people share with me about posting on Indeed is that they post an, an employer will post an ad on Indeed and a physician will say, I'm looking for you know, an experienced injector with at least two years of injection experience. Right. And I, I think we have to reset expectations of what you're going to get when you have people applying for a job. Um, it, it truly is the unicorn that's going to be, somebody who has a couple of years of injection experience and a great injector, they don't need me as a recruiter. They right. don't need Indeed. They've got a list five clinics long mm-hmm. of people who've said, if you ever decide to leave, please put me on your list. I would love to have you. Right. So the people you're going to get responding on Indeed are going to be you know, anywhere from the people who are on unemployment and they just have to apply for a couple jobs to keep their unemployment or people who truly want to get into the industry. Um, what I have found several of my clients have done recently is they have said no one will be considered if they do not submit a resume pertinent to aesthetics and a cover letter explaining why they're interested in this industry. Mm-hmm. Be quite honest, that knocks out about 80% of the people who are going to apply to your Indeed post. The second thing um, I'm having people do is once they get a resume like that, if they don't have aesthetic experience or haven't invested in themselves, they will respond back and say, we will hire and train naive injectors. However, you must have invested in yourself first and have a foundational knowledge of the industry, of our market, and of facial anatomy and the products before mm-hmm. we will talk to you. Um, mm-hmm. I have several who have literally said, we need to know that you've taken something like the Titan Injector Preparation Program. So, and, and why people, and I encourage employers to do this, is 
what we have to realize and what a lot of the candidates don't realize is that this being a cash industry, there's no money to pay somebody as a new injector if they're not bringing in revenue. It's not like a new PA or a new MP. They can see patients all day long and they get to bill insurance for every single one of those visits. We don't have that luxury in the aesthetic business since they don't get um, any sort of payment unless their services perform. So I think it's important um, that we we really do a lot of work um, within my company on talking to people about compensation and how much money you're not going to make your first year as an injector. But Mm -hmm. I also do a lot of work talking with employers about setting that expectation appropriately in the interview process and literally having a formalized internship program. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of recommending of setting up a three to four month internship or residency type of program. And so you hire them, you pay them a relatively low, basically what you would pay a front desk or Mm -hmm. receptionist type of position. Have them come in, they learn the business, they learn your clinic, they learn to inject if they've already invested themselves on a foundational opportunity. Um, And then at the end of that residency or that internship period, you both then make the decision of whether you will turn that into a full-time employment opportunity. And, and is, is there is there actual training in that residency period? I mean, in, in, I, I know there's you know over the shoulder training with whoever the the who's doing the 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 owner or the primary injector. But do you also encourage them to do? Do you send them to other training? Do you invest in them, or does that only happen after the the residency period? Um, it really is going to depend upon the employer what resources right. they have. If they have someone who they feel is comfortable that it, that they can use an existing injector to train, mm-hmm. um, I always say that's the best play because they know what's expected in that clinic. However, if you do have an existing injector that you want to have them help and train a new person, make sure you pay them for that extra work that they're doing. That should not be an automatic expectation right. of their job. Um, unless that is their job to act as a trainer for your organization. Um, the other thing you can do, I there are really great injectors around the country that own training companies and that do good mm-hmm. hands-on training. And again, I'm trying, you know, I, I have created all of this structure within Titan and I, I, I'm very, I'm trying very hard to not make this a commercial for what we've done, but we've done a lot of what we do with Titan because of the need that has arisen. Yeah, And so, I do consulting talk all the time with my clients talking about, okay, number one, you have to find the right person. When you find the right person, you have to make sure they have the right foundation of knowledge. Once they have that foundational knowledge of the products, the techniques, the treatments, the patient consultation, the anatomy, then you have to say, okay, now it's time to stick needles in faces. And that can be done in your clinic or that can be done through various other injector training companies. Um, we do have a list you know, on our resources on our website, but I don't take any money from that. I don't make any referrals. Um, right. I, I really believe that people need to find injectors who are right for them and understand their markets. Um, and then once they've done that, then they need to start seeing patients on their own. And that's when they need to do friends and family days. That's when they need to do staff trainings. That's when you then reach out to your Allergan, your Galderma, your MERS, your Evelis, and reach out to your reps and say, hey, you know, could you help sponsor a training day for this new, rep- this new injector? Right. And so it really is 
a process, but it's going to take somebody anywhere from three to six months to really get up and running and seeing patients Mm -hmm. and being a good um, revenue producing contributor to the practice. And I I think it's perfectly fine to say, look, until you are at that stage, you know, we're going to pay you an hourly or a salary, and you're not going to see a commission or a productivity bonus. So really, you know, we look at step therapy in medicine a lot of times, and it's kind of step training with aesthetics. Yeah. But what I also want, you know, some of your listeners to understand is that if you call and say, my injector just left, I need another trained injector. You can look and hire somebody and get them up and trained many times quicker than you can wait around and looking for an experienced injector. Yeah. The, the it's, it's, it's tricky, right? And it's almost counterintuitive, particularly to people coming into the industry is who, you know, there's a lot of owners that are opening up med spas or expanding. And, and the, the natural inclination is to say, I want somebody who's got experience, who's got a book of business so they can bring in money and I don't have to worry about investing in training. Um, but that, I mean, but I, if you're an injector and you have that skill, you're going to say, why do I bring my skills to make money for you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to leave and I'm going to have my own practice and make money right, for me. Right. Or re- exactly. Particularly with all the independent practice um, mm-hmm. laws that are being passed. Um, I, I've also just heard from most of my, um, most of the members that I've talked to, the, 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 the ones who commit to it, really, really prefer and to make the investment in a new injector and train them the way that they want because you don't have to worry about bad habits. You don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. um, you know, egos and fighting over clients. It just, it just seems to be so much cleaner, but, um, you know, both are options. It's just, it's, 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 it's counterintuitive to think that the, the, the best thing to do is to, is to say, oh, I'm going to take someone who's going to take six months before they can make me really any money at all. But that's what you have. That's why you have to plan for it. Yeah. Well, and I tell people to think about who are the injectors that are experienced who would come work for you, especially if you're a new business. Mm. You know, first of all, where did they train? What is their background? Um, One of the things that I have seen, you know, we've got a lot of people who go to these weekend training courses. Um, They get, you know, four, eight hours training. They go home, they send out resumes all over town. It is very rare that I find people that will hire somebody with simply a weekend training course. That's why we try to provide an entire continuum of learning care. And so if you can't get a job and you've got, you know, expenses that you need to pay back or a loan that paid for that training, you want to start injecting. So that's where we're seeing so many people start their own practice. Um, And, you know, I don't want to make any comments on whether that's good or not, but sometimes those are the people then that don't make it in their own practice. And those are the experienced people that then answer the ad and say, you know, I've had my own clinic for a couple of years and now I want to come work for you. Um, But, you know, I think that also brings up another point, Alex, is thinking about if you do have a great injector in your practice, I, I guess I would really encourage your listeners also to kind of think about how you're communicating with that experienced injector that is such the bread and butter mm-hmm. of an aesthetic practice. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I was actually going to, I was going to ask about that because I think, um, you know, I just was talking to somebody yesterday and the, um, the conversation we were having was about, um, how much, um, there, there are 
several, whether it's big name plastic surgeons or derms who are running these massive med spas and surgery practices, but their med spas tend to not make a whole lot of money because they pay um, injectors way too much or they don't track it. It's not based upon actual productivity. It's not based upon the things um, that, 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 that you're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, it's like you have to you have to pay your injectors enough to keep them and make them happy. So let's talk about Double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, well, let's talk about that because it's 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 not easy. I mean, there there is mm-hmm. like you mentioned at the beginning. So, you know, there are injectors who are making you know well into the six figures, and yep. um, they expect to be paid that much. And they sh- you know the good ones should be paid that much because they're bringing in that money. But that's a lot of money for someone who's saying I'm going to just I'm going to pay you know a provider that much money who's um, you know who's who's who when I'm just starting out so. Number one, talk about um, just compensation in general and how you should go about figuring that out. And then, and then I want to get into what you were about to get into, which is um, how do you keep injectors happy and how do you make them stay and be committed to you so they don't jump ship and go somewhere else? Because that's what everyone's worried about, right? They're all worried about the training. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times do I hear, well, I'm going to train them and they're going to leave? And it's like, well, I mean, not necessarily. But what if you don't train them and they stay? I love that. that yep. um, <laughs> Uh, well, and that's what's so funny is there are. This is still an infant, a, a an industry in its infancy, or an interest, an industry in transition. Because right. when I first started doing the compensation study, we laughed because it truly was a situation where there were there are very few injectors around the country who are paid the same. It seems like everybody is paid yeah. differently. Um, and I know you and I, <clears throat> excuse me, both have had conversations with people about, you know, can you pay commission? Is commission fee splitting? Do you do it on productivity? What about productivity bonuses? How do you, and, you know, my my line is always, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Um, but there is something called basic aesthetic math. And how I try to help people think about what you should pay a provider is thinking about, what does the provider bring into a practice? And I, I talk about this with my injectors. Um, I joke that the compensation chapter in my book is how much money you're not going to make your first year as an injector. Mm-hmm. Um, but people need to understand that revenue that comes into an aesthetic practice is cash. And it is comes in only two ways, either from services provided or from products sold. There isn't insurance reimbursement. There isn't just some magic pot of money that magically shows up, especially if it's a med spa and not a surgical or a dermatology practice. You know, there isn't money from the more therapeutic areas coming in. And so injectors and business owners need to really think about compensation in terms of revenue production. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, this is very general, you know, obviously there are completely different things around the different parts of the country and it costs a living and all that stuff. But um, what I tell people is let's just kind of do basic math. If you are an injector, you basically need to bring in about a half a million dollars in patient revenue Mm -hmm. in order to bring home 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year in total compensation. However you get paid, whether it's salary, whether it's hourly, whether it's commission, whether it's productivity bonus, whether it's, you know, this plus this, Mm -hmm. just think about that, that total number at the end of the year, you have to bring in about a half a million dollars to get paid 80 to a hundred thousand. 
Okay. And here's how the math works on this. If you have a half a million dollars in treatment mm-hmm. and injectables, right off the top, about 50% of that is going to pay for your cost of goods and your you know, supplies, your ice right. packs, your syringes, your gauzes, et cetera. Right. Then you get to pay for somebody at the front desk. You got to pay mm-hmm. for an accountant. You got to pay for an HR person. You got to pay mm-hmm. for possibly a medical director. You think about all the expenses. You probably want air conditioning or heat. You probably want trash mm-hmm. removal. You probably want an EMR mm-hmm. system. You probably want insurance for the practice, malpractice insurance for the providers. And you start adding up all the things that have to come out mm-hmm. of that money, you know, that, that came in from pro, pro, you know, patient revenue you're down to easily, you know, 180 to $200,000 net by the time you take product costs, operating costs and all that stuff out of that. Right, right. And what I tell people is if you own the business and you took the risk and you're paying that rent and, you know, you're the yeah. one who took the look now to start the business, at that level, you're going to get half the revenue. Yeah, So at least. That's, right? Yeah. So that's the math I go through. Okay. But let's go the opposite end. You've got an injector that's bringing in $2 million a year mm-hmm. in patient revenue. Mm-hmm. Your product costs are still going to be high. You know, you're still going to have, you know, you probably get a better cost right. of goods yep. on your products at that point. Yep. So your, your sunk costs are probably going to be, you know, somewhere in that million dollar range at this point. You don't have to pay any more for insurance. You don't have to pay more for electricity right. and lights and all that stuff. So you got a lot more revenue now. Right, right. So now this is where an owner has to say, how much do I need? Do they, should they still get half? Right. Or at this point, does the injector yeah. weigh a little more heavily? Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's, this is, I, I love the, these kinds of talks because it's, it's, it, it really is simple math. And, and mm-hmm. if the numbers don't add up, they don't add up. And, and the, the, the problem is, is that, most of the owners and operators in our, in our businesses don't think that way. They they think of kind of money coming in, money going out. That's really how they how they think. So there's money coming in, money going out, and you kind of they just kind of ballpark it. But breaking it down to a calculation like that, where you can say, "Here's how much money is left over after we pay everything," um, and, and what you see is that once you once you get past that break even point, for for lack of a better word, that you know that kind of minimum five hundred thousand dollars for an injector, the revenue versus the cost it, it differs uh, in the ratio. So you start bringing in more money, you start making more money, and then you can start paying out more money. So it's, I mean, I I, I love the way that you that that you broke that down, and, and I think the more that folks understand that that's how it has to be done, and the more that injectors who are coming in know that that's how it has to be done. Um, it's going to make everyone be able to have a conversation about it. Cause right now I feel like we're all just, especially this, cause we are an infant industry and there's a lot of new injectors. Yeah. Everyone's still trying to figure out how to talk about this stuff and, and figure out where the, where the, the normal is going to lie. And until we get that done, it's going to be still going to be all over the place. Yeah. Well, and it's, Right now, like you said, we are in such a shortage of injectors. So those injectors who are so talented, they can literally write their own ticket. Right, right. Um, and But yet most of them are still providers at heart. They want patients to have safe, good outcomes 
so that they love what they see and look in the mirror, they feel good about themselves, and they come back. You know, the thing we've got to realize also with the injectables particularly is that, you know, unlike surgery, unlike some of the devices we have, injectables really are annuity business. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage business owners to not think about what does this injector bring in every month or every day, but look at what they're developing in terms of lifetime value of a patient. Right. Um, Right. And that's something that you look at some businesses, they buy a big machine, they spend a lot of time and energy and marketing dollars um, promoting, you know, a device or a a new body contouring service or something like that, you know, laser hair removal, um, which is great. And if they're, especially if there's a patient coordinator or somebody that gets paid commission on Mm -hmm. selling that package, they love that. But what's the lifetime value of a body sculpting patient or what's the lifetime value of a laser hair removal patient? Mm -hmm. And so I encourage physicians and business owners who particularly work with med spas to really think about um, procedure value per hour and annuity treatments. What do they come back for? The third thing to really think about is referrals. And, you know, again, when you're talking about that experience injector, you really want to think not only about This person is a fantastic profit center for your practice. They're not a cost center. So you don't want to think about how much you're paying them. You really want to think about what they are bringing in and contributing to your practice. Right, right. And so it always amazes me um, when I talk to people and they don't think about their injector as another provider in their practice. Um, I had someone the other day say, well, they're just a nurse. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, they're a nurse that lets you take home a half a million dollars a year. <laughs> you need yeah. to realize that. And that's not just, you know, that's, this is a nurse that brought in a lot of money. Oh my and so I really want people to think about their injector, you know, as a, as a partner in the practice. Um, yeah. You and I have talked a little bit. I am not a finance person. I'm, I'm very careful to refer things out um, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> to other Me people too. for things like this. But I am a big believer that if you have someone who is an important provider in your practice, and they are a profit center, that you want to communicate with them as if they are a partner or someone who is integral to the business. And that communication to that person is incredibly important. Right. Um, And you're going to find people who literally say, I just want to work. I want to go to work. I want to inject. I want to see my patients. I want to go home. I don't want to have to think about the business. I don't want to have to think about marketing. Um, That's something that you need to have an ongoing communication with your employees to understand what do your injectors want to do? What are their career goals? And they will change. Um, The other thing I will highly suggest people do in addition to communicating with that person about their career goals and what they want to contribute to the practice is stay in touch with them about the finances of the practice. Mm -hmm. Because the more your injector understands um, how much money is coming in, how much money is going out, the more they are going to feel connected to helping the practice succeed. Right. Right. Um, You know, we talk about trying to keep injectors in a practice. Um, and again, you're the attorney, Alex, so feel free to. <laughs> I <laughs> literally just play here. one on TV. Um, but I really encourage people to think about making their injectors 
partners and their practices. You know, whether it's a plastic surgeon that is getting older and saying, you know, it, it may very well be a better business future opportunity for them to make their injector a partner than to bring in a new surgeon. Yeah, you know what? That's interesting that you said that because that's the you're the second person who brought that up, um, and I, I I think that's a really interesting um, and astute way of thinking that many many um, certainly surgeons and derms and then also many med spa owners just just they just don't consider because they they it's it's just something that they don't they don't think about. But I, I mean. And I think well, why is that they're they're scared, right? You're you're scared about bringing somebody in and giving them equity, even though there's certainly ways, you know, legally to 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 work around those things. Where if they if they leave or you you break up for whatever reason, they're, they're no longer owners. Um, but um, what I mean, are you gonna? I do you think we're gonna see that more and more where, where businesses are gonna make that transition. And are you encouraging even injectors to? to talk about that and say, Hey, what's the, you know, if I stick with you and, and what's the, what's the ownership track kind of thing? Like, like, like surgeons do when they're interviewing for jobs. I always say my job is not to tell somebody what to do, but ask the questions or give them the questions to help them figure out what's right for their situation. So yes. Um, I, I don't necessarily say go ask for ownership. What I right. say is Let's talk about the ownership situation you're working in and let's talk about your personal goals for where you want your career to go. And, you know, there are a lot of people who say my dream is to own my own practice. You know, mm-hmm. that I, I think most injectors who have that dream don't realize how hard it is. Mm-hmm. I will definitely tell them, go talk to somebody that owns their own practice before you do that, because it is not that easy. Um, but I also will tell them, you know, go talk to your business owner or your physician um, about their exit strategy because yeah. you want to, you know, in many cases, if you have a medical director or, or a business owner or physician that you work with, you know, their exit strategy will imp- impact you. And so if you've worked together for a while and you have a good working relationship, it literally can provide a great solution for both of you. Mm-hmm. If a surgeon, <clears throat> excuse me, is looking to retire and doesn't want to bring on a new surgeon and, you know, try to teach them the practice, teach them the surgeries, build the surgeon, get them, you know, rights in the hospital, all the things that go into that. And they have an existing injector. You know what? You can retire as a surgeon, still keep your medical license, be a medical director for your injector. And then you can gradually shift the ownership of the practice from the physician to the injector as that injector business grows up. So it's a really nice exit strategy and transition plan for a physician. Um, But it also keeps that injector. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's something that every business owner out there who has a great injector needs to sit down with their injector on a regular basis and say, you know, here's the business, here's how we're doing Here's, you know, how important you are to us. What can we do to keep you happy here? Um, Because if that injector walks out the door, there are a lot of businesses that are in jeopardy. And we're seeing a lot of, you know, people who are saying, I'm getting older. I want to retire. Um, I think Florida is going to be a really interesting situation in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. you know, down there, you have to be a nurse practitioner, a PA to inject. RNs cannot inject. 
Well, theoretically. <laughs> I mean, that is true, well, according to the nursing board, right? They have that opinion out there. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, that, that's, again, that's the letter of the law. That's, that's, the, no, I, we don't see many people actually following that, but nevertheless, that is true. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, there are very few customers, at least that I talk to in Florida, that do not have NP or yeah. PA injectors. No, and there's there's um, a couple. There's a, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> As I said, we we may t- we talk to different people. I'm sure, but you know what I tell what I think could be interesting, and a lot of that is simply because there was a physician in Florida that basically tried to restrict RNs from injecting. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of very talented RN injectors that are getting older that would like to retire to Florida and still continue to work full time or part time. Mm-hmm. So you know, will we see places like Florida? you know, add the ability for RNs to legally yeah, and very openly inject in a physician or whatever, you know, in a physician office. Yeah. Um, I think it'll too. be interesting if we see places like Alabama, will they continue to have mm-hmm. only physicians inject? Mm-hmm. Will they open it up so mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. You know what I've, I, it's interesting that you say that because I'm making Alex nervous now. No, we? no, it's, it's, <laughs> I, it's it's true. I mean, there's just there's just these 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 little nuances uh, across the board, um, and most people in, in Florida don't realize that that is the 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 actual rule, right? There's a, a nursing board opinion out there that that says that. So this isn't isn't even the medical board talking; it's the nursing board. But um, we've also heard from other n- nursing board folks in Florida saying, "Eh, well, that was kind of back a couple of years ago. We're not sure. So who knows where that's going to land." Um, but what, what what I find interesting in what you said is that I, I feel like with most industries, you go through kind of certain stages and in between those stages, there are inflection points. And I, you know, we had the kind of the, the startup in the early 2000s when this was going and then first recession hit, everyone kind of, it was a reset, kind of fired back up, then COVID. I feel like what's happening now, though, is you are getting a lot of injectors and not only injectors, but owners who are getting a little older. Um, they've been doing it for 10 years or, or 15 years um, or even, you know, less than that. But it's, they, it's a hard business. It's tough to run. And we're getting to this point now where there's a group of a segment of the med spa population that is ready to kind of turn over. Like, okay, like this is, I've either got to retire and just be an injector or I need to sell my practice and take a step back. And I feel like that's kind of starting to happen right before our very eyes. At the same time, that there is this need for new injectors. So really, I mean, if you're if you're listening to this and you're an RN, you know, and, and you want to get into this industry, it's like there could not be a better time to get into aesthetics than right now. Do, do you agree with that? Well, I think you're exactly right, Alex. We are in an industry that's going to continue to grow. There is innovation in products. There is innovation in how we are reaching people who are interested in these products and procedures. There are innovations in how businesses are running aesthetic products. Mm -hmm. I think we will eventually see credentialing for injectors. I think we will eventually see uh, more oversight in the industry itself. Um, I know AMSPA has done a great job of really trying to moderate that conversation and put ideas out there of how we continue to keep patients safe and make sure that people are trained well. Um, So I guess I will just end with what I always tend to chat with is if you are an injector, 
make sure you do your homework, make sure you do your own preparation. This is not an industry where you're just going to send out a resume and somebody's yeah. going to hire you. You've got to invest in yourself. And if you are a business owner, if you are a physician, if you're looking for injectors, um, don't automatically write off someone if they don't have experience because they could be that diamond in the rough mm -hmm. that you may be able to train and bring into your practice that is going to basically help you build a fantastic business and practice for years to come. It's great advice. It's great advice for, for, for both injectors and business owners. Where can, uh, just remind folks of where they can find you in, in your business if they want to reach out to you and talk to you individually. Oh, thanks so much. It's www.titanesthetic.com. It's aesthetic with an A and singular. Um, my cell phone is 612-702-7576. You can find me at Titan underscore aesthetic underscore recruiting on Instagram, All Titan right. Aesthetic um, Recruiting on Facebook, yeah. or my email is mbhagen at titanesthetic.com. I like it. No, it's the full the full gamut. I know. We have so many ways to reach everybody today. That's yes. why it's so hard to but yeah. Um, I'm always happy to chat with people and help people. I my my joke is always that I, I love to make patients have great outcomes from great providers and great practices. So appreciate awesome. the opportunity. No, thank to, you for joining us. Really, I appreciate it. This is this is a great talk. It's very interesting, and and we'll we'll definitely have you back. We'll definitely look forward to seeing you at AmSpa twenty twenty two. That's yeah. right. Can't wait. All right. Thanks, Mary <laughs> Beth. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Alex. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Mary Beth Hagen, founder of Titan Aesthetic Recruiting. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AMSPA content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.